the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. You've got teenagers, you're probably wondering about what in the world you've done wrong about now, <laughs> you know. But... But I know it's tempting to beat yourselves up sometimes and wish you would have done things different. But like she said, you're awesome. You, you've done the best you know how to do with what you have to work with and what you know. And the good news is, is that's why you're here today. We're learning. We're growing. We're all coming to a place where we can be more effective in, in what we do. But I want you to know you are appreciated. And if you're wondering... Um, if, if you feel like your children didn't turn out exactly the way you hoped, well, I don't know if any of our children ever turn out the way we hope and the way we thought, well, we're going to be the best parents ever. You know, when I was thinking we were going to have our children, I told Angie, we're not letting them drink soft drinks, you know. And we were putting Coke and Dr. Pepper in their bottle before they came home from the hospital, but no. <laughs> but you begin to question, you know, have I done a good job and is, have I done something wrong? And, uh, you know, everybody's got to make choices in this life for themselves. Yeah. And parents, I know it's tempting to want to blame yourself if your ch children go the wrong direction for a season, but they have to make choices from themselves and they have to learn. Um, I was reminded that there's a good, good father in heaven who had a couple of children that began to hang around with a bad influence started to make some wrong choices and got kicked out of the house. So if God the Father had problems with his first two children, hey, welcome to the club, amen? Uh, I was trying to think of a story that I could tell about my mama being right and me should have listened to her, but I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> I've always been right, and she raised me to be so humble. And... uh. <clears throat> But I did think of one story. Uh, here recently, she's talking. That's why I need to keep talking. So <laughs> I drowned her out. Ain't that right? Okay. But um, we go to lunch once a week. And I used to ride with her. She would come and get me. But that was a bad idea. Mama's not somebody you want to ride with. So I started making her ride with me, but she's like the world's worst backseat driver. Slow down, hon, slow down. And you'll be like 20 car lengths behind somebody. Or watch over there, watch over there. You know, you're going too fast. And she's always got something to say, you know. And for the most part, I try to drive right, you know. But the other day, I dropped her off at home, and she had just been on me about my driving the whole time. So as I was backing out of the driveway, I kind of stepped on it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm like, bye, mama, Burr! you know, just to kind of upset her because I knew she'd be boiling for a couple hours after I left. But the whole way there, what made me so mad was she kept saying, she tells me this every time we go through the Colonial Hills neighborhood over there, Do you know the speed limit is 25, and they'll give you a ticket, they'll give you a ticket. And it's like, yeah, 25, who drives 25 anywhere, but... Okay, so I drive 25, and that's why it made me mad. I screeched out of the neighborhood. So 
I thought I'd got away smooth until I almost got back to 51 and I heard the root, root, root. And I had forgotten what she said, you know. And guess what happened? No, I'll tell you now. They, they pulled me over. And, and guess what happened? <laughs> no. <laughs> How many think they gave me a ticket? Some of you? Well, we'll, we'll find that out later. Hold on to that. <laughs> but like I said, we all make choices, and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how we can make some choices that will start to bring some joy in our life. Because we need joy for the journey. This is a long life, and if you get down and your choices are causing you to begin to hate your life, that's no good. If you're just existing, God ex extends, uh, intends for us to be overcomers. To be successful, to find joy in living in, in each day, and not to just succumb to the humdrum rhythms of nothingness. How many of you can say that you have true joy in your life right now? You don't have to raise your hand, but it's good to see some hands. <laughs> At least a few of them. I'm not talking about just fleeting moments of happiness. Yeah, I was happy a couple weeks ago, you know, when my paycheck came in or my tax refund or something, but I'm talking about a deep abiding joy that you're living in right now that you, even though when things aren't going your way, you can still have a smile on your face. That kind of joy. I don't think that's the kind of joy that you, I don't think the world apart from Jesus sees that very often. I don't know if they have that at all. I, it might just be a Christian phenomenon because I looked up the definition of joy and it says the emotion evoked by well-being by success or good fortune or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. And I thought, man, only a true follower can be assured of these things forever. But a true follower should know that they have a sense of well-being because why? The Father holds us in His hands. We should have success because he's made us more than overcomers, right? Good fortune and the prospect of possessing what one desires. And, and on this side, we'll, we'll possess some of it, but we know as Christians that on one day we'll be sitting at the right hand of the Father. We'll be possessing everything our souls could imagine to desire. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 8. And we're going to worm our way into this message a little bit. Set a little groundwork before we get talking about our choices. Second Corinthians chapter 8, start in verse 2. I'm just making a point here. Apostle Paul is talking to the church, talking about the church in Macedonia. He's talking to the church in Corinth. So he's talking to one church about another church. And he says, they are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. So, if they were, weren't a church, if they were just in the world, you can say right there for a surety that they're not going to have any joy, right? Because if you're in this world, and you're having many troubles, and you're very poor, well, there's no possible way. Why would I be excited about anything? Why would I be happy? Why would I have joy? 
That sounds like a recipe for a pity party. But it says, but they are also filled with abundant joy. These poor people going through hard times are filled with an abundant joy. And it says, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they not only gave what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. So these poor people are given more than they can afford. They're poor already, but they can't wait to give. It sounds like those happy Jesus people we talked about last week. Crazy Jesus people. Where do they, where do they come off? In verse 4 it says, they begged us again. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. See, they were collecting money to bring to the church in Jerusalem which needed finances. They were sharing. And these poor people were begging for their opportunity to partake in it. They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. You see, it was because they had given themselves to the Lord and His Lordship that they found the joy in the midst of their poverty. They found joy in the midst of their troubles. Do you see that? Now, on Wednesday nights, if you hadn't been coming on Wednesdays, my goodness, who's been coming on Wednesdays and said, hey, <laughs> woohoo, yeah. Wednesday night's more like a Bible study. We've been going through the book of Nehemiah, and I had always seen the book of Nehemiah as like a wall-building uh, book. You know, it tells about how Nehemiah went and rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, and that's the exciting part about building the walls. But once we got past the wall building, we realized still half the book was left. And so we kept going, and we began to see that the rest of the book was about maintaining the walls after they are built. And some of you, your walls were torn down, but you came to Jesus and gave your heart to Him, and He rebuilt the walls of your life and got you back on track and got you some protection in your city. And so you started doing good again. But then the rest of the book talks about the things that you need to do. They started reading the Word of God. They repented of their sins. They met together, had church, the things that, that we do here today. So it's been really good, and we're not through, so next Wednesday, come and join us. If you hadn't been coming. But one of the things they did, they began to read the word, like I said, and they started thinking, man, we could have had this joy our, our whole lives and we're just now discovering it. Like I was 32 before I gave my heart to Jesus. You know that story. I tell it almost every Sunday. And sometimes I'm tempted to look back and say, man, if I would have only known and served the Lord when I was a kid and I regret the years, and we can do that. We can look back in the past and get mad at ourselves and we feel like weeping and crying for the past, right? Well, in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9, it says, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn and weep. On a day such as this. For today is sacred before the Lord your God. And you know why it's sacred? It wasn't a holiday or something. It was sacred because this is the day the people come to themselves. And it's sacred today. This will be a sacred day for the Lord Jesus if you will come to yourself today and begin to experience the joy that he has for you. He said, don't weep on such a day as this. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. They were reading the Bible out loud and they were saying, we should have been doing this. We could have had this joy. 
We could have had this fulfillment all along. And Nehemiah continued and said, Go celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is the sacred day before the Lord our God. And then he says this, this verse that I know you can probably all quote. quote. He said, Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Say the joy of the Lord. Is there anybody in here who hadn't heard that scripture? Not in this church, if you come here. You must be a visitor. The joy of the Lord. Is, see, we're the fun church. We're the warm, fun, loving church. We believe Christianity is supposed to be full of joy. It's supposed to be the fun existence. It says the joy of the Lord. See, they were wanting to weep and regret all the years, and they were wanting to be upset about the past. But Nehemiah said, hey, you've repented now. You've put that past behind you. Your sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. It's time to move forward with joy because you're going to need joy for the journey. See, the way you're going to be successful from this point on is to work up the joy of the Lord. Is the joy of the Lord just automatically given? Notice it didn't say the joy of Jesus is your strength. I'm going to make a point. You're going to have to think hard on this one. It didn't say that the joy of God is your strength. Like it's inferred that something just comes on you just because you're a Christian now. You just all of a sudden have joy. No, it says the joy of the Lord. Why does it say the Lord? The joy of the Lord. And God began to show me something. You could say it like this. The joy of His Lordship will be your strength. Do you know what Lord means? I looked it up. It means a ruler by hereditary right or preeminence to whom service and obedience or do the boss and who qualifies to be the Lord more than Jesus because by hereditary right he's the son of God and he has preeminence because he was here and he created everything he is the creator and service and obedience are due to him and when you confessed him as your Lord it wasn't just so you could get a ticket to heaven. It was saying, I give my heart life and I pledge to follow you. And today's message is entitled, The Joy of Lordship. And some of you say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't experience the joy that they're always talking about. I come to church like sad sack, you know. Uh, it's hard for me to even get to church. But you say you have a relationship with Jesus. It's, a, it's one thing to have a relationship with Jesus, but is He Lord? And I'm going to tell you today that if He's not Lord and if you're not following Him and being obedient to Him, you're missing out on the joy of life. The reason why you're dragging, is, I would guarantee you, is because you have the weight of the world on you because you're Lord of your own life. And Jesus comes to set the captives free. You're supposed to live a free existence. 
You know, that's a responsibility that you weren't meant to carry. Lordship of your own life. Now I always say, you've probably heard me say it, that obedience brings blessing, right? When you do the right thing, God blesses you for it. That's where blessing begins to enter into your life in the first place. And so when I'm counseling somebody, or somebody asks me a question, or somebody comes to me, and I just hear them talking, and they're trying to make up their mind what they want to do about a certain situation, my easy counsel is this. Just do the right thing. That sounds too easy, doesn't it? But see, what we'll do is we'll go around in our mind, if I do this, this consequence is going to happen. If I do this, and you just make up your mind, but, but I got to lie to tell them this, so if, if, if not, I won't get this. And sometimes you just got to do the right thing even if it hurts you. But just doing the right thing takes the pressure off of you. I've learned that I can face any challenge in this life. I'm telling you, I'm not man enough to stand up here as a pastor of a church. I'm just not. I'm weak. I'm frail. I doubt myself and all the things that you do. And I could not stand up here as a pastor of a church unless I just knew that all I got to do today is what I got to do today. And all I got to do today is the right thing. And it takes all the pressure and it brings all the joy in of knowing his lordship, knowing he's leading me through this valley of the shadow of death. And his rod and his staff, that's what comforts me. Does that make sense? I've learned I can face any challenge, any hardship, and any opposition. And I can do it with courage. All I got to do is do the right thing. I don't have to please everybody. The fear of man brings a snare. Trying to please everybody, you're never going to please everybody. And you weren't called to please everybody, you were called to please Jesus. And if you please Him, you can lay your head on the pillow at night with great joy and peace. Obedience brings you into harmony with all of creation, the way things were supposed to run. And with, with your Creator, it brings you in harmony. See, You tell one lie to get your way, then you got to tell another, and you find yourself twisted and turned, and you don't know how you got here. You got your head sticking out of your sock hole or something. And you think, well, how did I get here? You just need to start your way back to doing one right thing after another. Then you don't have to tell nobody to lie. You don't have to manipulate anybody else. You don't have to carry any of the weight of your decision because no matter what happens, all things are working together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His plan for their life, to His Lordship for their life. Just do the right thing wherever you're at in your life. You say, but if I do the right thing, I'm going to go to jail for it. Because I'm running from this thing in the past or... I have counseled somebody to go back to the police station and tell them that they lied on a report. They did. They went to jail. Thank you, Pastor. Whoa, we love you now. But think about it. 
at some point, you're just going to have to start doing the right thing. You're here to live for an audience of one. Do you understand? Everything else out of that, he will, begin, he will get his hands in your life when you will just do the right thing. It's not so hard, is it? You don't have to be little porpoises swimming upstream against your purpose. Always got to throw a rhyme in there. <laughs> we were created for Jesus' lordship. That's why you were created. And following him fills that little joy tank that you have on the inside of you that nothing else will fill but just simple obedience to Jesus. Turn to John 15. Is this making sense? Is this some newfound doctrine that I've come up with? Or is this pretty simple? It's just something that we don't think about like we should. <clears throat> if you don't believe me, well, let's get into the Word of God. John 15, 9. This is the Lord Jesus talking. He says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. And that's a lot of love, people. He says, remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obeyed my Father's commandments and remained in His love. See, there's structure, there's authority even within the Godhead. Even Jesus is subject to the Lordship of His Father. And when you do so, you remain in His love. Isn't it like He... Like he looked over Jerusalem and he said, man, I have longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks. You know, projecting his mother, motherly instincts to protect and to bring you close. And what does it say in Psalms 91? He abideth in the shadow of the Almighty and under the, the secret place of the Most High. Shall abide under the secret place of the Most High. In close. That's where God wants you to remain in his love. And in verse 11, it says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Didn't I tell you? It's the joy of the Lordship. Obedience brings you near to Jesus. Remain in His love. And guess what? There's great joy and proximity to Jesus. There's great joy. The closer you can get to Jesus, the more joy that there's going to be. Psalm 16:11 says, "You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy." The closer you can get, the more joy you will have in your life. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And see, spiritually, positionally, we are already seated at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus. And when we stay in His Lordship, remain in His love, that's where you're going to find you. That's, gonna, that's where you're going to find your purpose. You're going to find not your purpose, but your purpose. You're going to... Man, this is... I, I, can't, I can't explain it anymore. I'm just telling you the truth up here today. When I was on the throne of my own life, man, the weight was unbearable. That's a lot of responsibility because I can't control the weather. I can't control the situation. I can't control the stock market. What can I control? Nothing. 
Who by worrying can add one cubit to your stature? And I don't even know what a cubit or a stature is. My grandmama used to have some statures on, you know, on the on the shelf, but We weren't designed to make the rules. We're just designed to follow them. But it's human pride, isn't it? It's what entered into Adam and Eve. Temptation to want to take control. I want to be the boss. I want to exalt my throne over God. I want to be Lord. But oh, the freedom when we just remain in the garden. Oh, the freedom when we're just obedient. Peter Forsythe said, the first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. See, we're all searching for freedom, but we think we've got to be in control to have the freedom. But no, you find your master, then you'll find your freedom. The most miserable people I've ever seen on planet earth are backsliders. People who have tasted and saw that the Lord is good, but then got sucked back into the disobedience and because of sin or whatever, are people who are Christians in name only. You know, they maybe said the prayer and confessed to be Christians, but they really have no relationship and no obedience to God in their life. They are totally, completely in control, and they don't even stop to ask Jesus what he wants them to do. They're just going to do what they think is best at all situations. I've been both of those. But both of those lose out on the closeness and the proximity with Jesus where the joy is. See, the joy of the Lordship will be your strength for this journey ahead. I used to hate every job I had. And I thought it was always the job's fault. I think I stabbed somebody in the heart right there. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I did. I'd like it at first, but then pretty soon I'd get used to it. What am I even doing here? Selling cable TV supplies. This is not important, you know? And I felt like I'm, I don't have any importance in my life. But once I understood that my real responsibility is to do everything as if I do it unto the Lord, then everything in my life that I viewed as meaningless took on meaning. And so a job that I didn't see, what is this all about? When I began to see my part in it, to do this as if unto the Lord, and that He will promote me. If I'm to leave, He will open the doors and the windows of heaven. Once I saw everything as an opportunity to witness for Jesus, then everything became important. And you know what's the biggest part of your Christian witness? Is have some joy. I mean, there's a, never a worse witness for Jesus Christ than to have somebody slumping in. And I did for years, man. I hate this place. Oh, my goodness. We got to be here another eight hours. Six hours left, fellas. We can do it, you know. And you're like sending the alarm. Oh, only three more. Can we make it? <laughs> what kind of witness is that for Christ? 
You think it, but but I but it's so hard. It's so hard. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> See, you just need to build your joy back up. Make him Lord. Take the responsibility off yourself. See that your responsibility is to to be a light in the darkness. The devil, you know, that's his main job is to steal your joy. I mean, that's what he he knows how important joy is to your existence. He knows you won't finish your race if he can rob your joy. He wants you to live in condemnation, just like Nehemiah was. Whoa, Nehemiah says, I know you want to regret looking in the past, and I know you want to get all down, but don't do it. Don't, get, don't let the devil in here already bringing condemnation. Let the past be the past at last. The devil wants you to be held down by whatever holds you down, your past regrets, your misery. Or he wants to get you so self-consumed. That you're just miserable. I know, man. I used to, I used to be so selfish, and I was a perfectionist. And everything I saw that wasn't the way I wanted it to be, it just was a personal insult to me. And so I stayed insulted with life all the time, and I was miserable. And that's no way to live. That's about self. And the devil wants you to either. Be selfish, or he wants to build you up in such human pride that you think, man, ain't nobody telling me what to do. But the devil's like, yeah, you tell him. Nobody tells you what to do, but he knows the whole time that the weight that'll be put on your shoulders when you're in charge of your life will be too much for you to bear. Do I get an amen or oh me in here? And he also knows this. That Jesus won't be the Lord of your life as long as you insist on being the Lord of your life. He's not going to force himself on you. And the devil's like, yeah, you be the Lord. You're right, yeah. That's what he told Adam and Eve. You eat that, you eat that fruit. You'll be the Lord. You go on and take control. You don't need nobody telling you what to do. You know everybody that ever I ever heard say that nobody tells me what to do? They were either down at the jail or living under a bridge somewhere. Those, those hard cases that insisted on nobody tells me what to do. Now, I think we all struggle a little bit with that. But to the degree you struggle with nobody tells me what to do is probably the degree what kind of joy you have in your life. You need to let Jesus tell you what to do. So I heard this, whoop, 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 and they pulled me over. I said, oh my goodness, what have I done? Please don't let mama find out. Please don't let mama find out. I didn't care about paying a ticket. Just on a... And the guy comes, he says, can I see your driver's license, proof of insurance? I gave him to him. He goes, guy Sheffield, you any kin to guy and Sheffield? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he said, let me make sure. I heard him get back on the police radio you can hear it all over South Haven I got a guy Sheffield here speeding in Colonial Hills you know whatever you're saying you, is this guy does she have guy in Sheffield have a son named guy needless to say it went all over the police station by the time mama got to work the next day they were out I heard your son got a ticket you know she had called me by nine o'clock I told you they gonna get you for going over 25 
You need to listen to mama. You need to listen to mama. And you know what? They didn't give me a ticket. You know why? <laughs> it pays who is the Lord of your life. If I can get out of a ticket because my mama, how much are you going to get out of, out of all eternity? Because Jesus is the Lord. And you're following His instructions. My goodness, my goodness. The joy of having Christ's Lordship, His presence will carry you through any trials that will sustain you in this mundane, everyday marathon of life. Because you know, this ain't no short life for most of us. Sometimes it seems like it goes by quick, but sometimes it's like, it isn't, isn't Friday yet. <laughs> right? And you're going to need joy for the journey so that you can shine as lights in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation because the world don't understand joy and we need to demonstrate it for them. It will set you apart and it will keep you from coming apart. Your joy. The joy of your lordship. In Nehemiah's day, the joy of the Lord it helped them rebuild those city walls. It gave them protection, restoration, safety. Put some order back in their lives. And allowed God's people to live in God's blessing again. And that's what making Jesus boss of your life, the Lord of your life, will do. It will rebuild your walls. It's going to be difficult for some of you at first because you've been lying to others and, and stuff so long that you don't even remember what the truth is. You've started believing some of your own lies and you've weaved, oh, what a, what is it? So, oh, what a, we, what a web we weave. Tangled web we weave. Some of us have weaved a tangled web in our life. But let him get his fingers in there. And all you got to do is start doing the right thing, one thing at a time, you'll start straightening your life out. It won't be wicked anymore. And then you'll, be, then you'll have that protection. You'll have that restoration, that safety, that order, and you'll be living in God's blessing again. How did Jesus do life? I, I, I've seen some of the movies about Jesus, and I don't think they portray him accurately in most of them. Especially the early ones. They, he's always so solemn. In that one movie, he never blinks. And he's like, uh, you know, spooky. <laughs> that was the way I saw Jesus for a long time. Did y'all know they made a movie where they wouldn't allow him to blink because they wanted him to set apart, and so he's walking around like this? And he's like... <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking, but, but he's always so solemn. And, but the Bible says at one point he leapt with joy... And you know, he's the kind of guy that went to the wedding feast and was the life of the party. And, and I can guarantee you, Jesus was a joyful person. You know how I know? Because Hebrews 12, 2 says that he endured the excruciating pain of the cross because of his joy. Hebrews 12, 2 says that we should be looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one who wrote the story of your life. Who best to, to guide you? 
Who best to produce the story of your life, to direct you in each scene of your life, but the one who wrote the story of your life. He is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame, he has sat down at the right hand of God Almighty. But he endured the excruciating torture, shame, humiliation, everything he endured on the cross. It was because he was, he had that joy in front of him. He knew he was being obedient to the Father. And it, he's just going to do the right thing no matter how hard it is. Because he knew his obedience would bring the blessing that you would be his child one day. And that he would be the Lord of your life and he would be able to lead you to your destiny, and that you would be with Him forever. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. It's time to go deeper still. We've been talking about that in our relationship. We've been talking about, man, how wonderful He is, and how good it is to know Him, and, and the best part of waking up is not Folgers in your cup, but it's Jesus in your heart, and a attitude of open prayer line to him and just the relationship is the best thing and and it gets better and gooder and gooder and and you can keep going deeper into the things of God and you learn more about the promises and you walk deeper into them and you begin to discover yourself and discover him and it's life becomes a journey that's worth taking and each step gets meaning so you have confessed him okay so you're here today and you have confessed him as your lord now, live in the joy of His Lordship. Walk with Him, talk with Him, but do what He says. It'll take the weight off of you. It'll make your path, path straight. He is a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. He will show us, the, He will lead us in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. He's the way truth in life. Follow Him. There's joy in surrender. Man, you see people at wor worship. I, can't, I couldn't help it. Today they were playing that song and he's, I ran out of that grave or whatever. I, I just couldn't help it. I had to throw my hands up. I had to surrender to that. I can't wait to surrender more to Jesus. That becomes your passion. You don't care what anybody else thinks. And that is, in itself, is a great burden lifted. I'm telling you about freedom today. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm telling you the path to joy and freedom today. Just do the right thing. Do what Jesus says. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.